Shabbos, Lomakeno, Yenuchu Vah, Kal Yisrael, then it says Yenuchu Vah, and first it says Yenuchu Vah, then Vah, and then Vah. And, uh, see this uh, doesn't leave any stone that is not turned over, found that, and explained it beautifully in the Alter Rebbe's Siddur. There's a Siddur called Tfilas Lachol Hashana. It was written in the Alter Rebbe, in the Middle Rebbe, edited it, gave it out, even on the time of the Middle Rebbe. There it explains that Shabbos is a gradual stage of elevations, one higher than the other. Chal Shabbos is an elevation. One shall never think that the seven days of the week is a repetition cycle. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That's such an inconsistent misconception. It's so wrong, and it does a lot of harm, or it doesn't even have no telltale of the purpose of life if it's one continuous cycle. So you have to picture a spring. You ever see a spring? Spiral. That's what Shabbos is. Every day we're turning. <coughs> it's another Sunday. Today is Monday. I want you to know, my friend, there was never such a Monday since the creation of the world. And there never will be a Monday like this today. There are things and there are possibilities, there are potentials and there are opportunities that only today are available. Sail one day only. Good morning. Sail one day only. Today. Yesterday, found. Tomorrow, not finished door. It's not here yet. Hi. What do we do today different than yesterday? You do the same thing, but a little, a little no, better. No, Rebbe says you have to do more. That's right. Well, a little better. No, more. A more. I mean, that's, that's a little better. The doctor. Yeah. Well, today we're going to talk about that, about the Rosh and what Rebbe spoke about Shabbos and Chavrengen. Very, very uh, important messages. But getting back to the concept of Shabbos, to answer your bow, bow, and bum. <coughs> <coughs> it's an aliyah in a spiral pattern. Life is not just one disc like a phonograph that turns in one position. But it keeps going higher and higher and higher. That's why it's called Eilas Shabbos the Shabbat. Shabbos is an aliyah. Shabbos itself is an elevation. If we were permitted to, in fact, we're not, if we were permitted to see the actual elevation that takes place Friday afternoon towards sunset. We see the sun is setting, but we have to realize that Friday afternoon towards sunset, as the Shabbos begins to enter, there is actual analiyah. Like if you were sitting in an elevator, in an elevator, everything is blocked off from around you. You don't see anything. So all you trust is when you push the button and you watch those lights telling you you're on the first floor, second floor, third floor. Open the door, and you're on the second floor. You open the door, you're on the third floor. While you're in the elevator, if it's a nice, gentle one, you don't even feel it. This is what happens, Shabbos. The world is elevated, but it's in a concealed form. God wants us to have the choice. God wants us to observe the Shabbos because God said so. Not because you see Ali Yisraelimus. 
When a person would see the Aliyah Sa'ilamis, how in the world, the, the Gashmias, the physical, the flesh and bone of a person, everything is a different creature on Shabbos. Yetzira goes, uh, Asiya goes to Yetzira, Yetzira goes into Bria, Bria goes into Asiya, as an elevation of worlds. Tzadikim who have worked to purify their bodies, to work on the Nefesh Abahamas that it shouldn't conceal that much sense, that additional light that comes on Shabbos. That's why I call it Neshama Yesera. Neshama Yesera. There's an extra additional light that comes on Shabbos. Fortunate is the one who senses it. There are ways to get it. You can get it through the gefilte fish. Don't laugh. You can get it through the chalim. You can get it through the suda Shabbos. Hashem gives us ways to get to the highest madregas through the most simple acts. Macholi Shabbos have a lot to do in helping the Neshama Yesera become sensed. So, at the start of Shabbos, we're Mamshich from the Moyach Habino. It's a gili of Habina. Then, from Bina, it's mayor into the six Midos. We know there's Chochmah, Bina, and Das. And then there's the Zion Midos, and then there's Malchus. So then, the first revelation on Shabbos is the gili of the Meichen. That's Bina. Bina is mayor. Ema Bonim Semecha, the Simcha, the Shabbos. Yismuchu B'Malchuscha. Shabbos has to be a, a day of Simcha, joy. That's the Yain from the Kiddush. Yain Mesameach. Then, as we promote and we progress in the Shabbos, it reaches from the Mayach into the Midos, into the six Midos. And then finally, it goes into Malchus, which contains all the spheres. See, Malchus is the last sphere, but it contains all the spheres. So, the start of Shabbos is the Yenuchu Va. Va is the Hay. That's the Hay. Dina. Then as we go to the Shabbos by Shabbos, we have advanced further, the six Midos, coming down into the Midos. Finally, toward the end, the Shabbos, the plurality, that's the Kaili that receives all the spheres. So there, briefly, sort of skimming across it, I give you sort of a gist of what there's much more to it, but I hope that answers your question. Returning back to Earth, uh, we're getting down to 61, page 61. Now the Rebbe continues now on page 61 in regards to the two sorts of creatures that we find in the world. We take the entire creation of the world, they fall into two levels. Those that sense godliness, and those that were created in such a way that godliness is not visual, but it's, he's, adept, he's available, but you have to search for him, you have to fight for him. So he says, let's take a look into the heavens. And he spoke about the, star, the sun and the stars and their motions in the sky are actually telling you they're going in a direction. He explains, Shekhinah B'mariv. Because the Shekhinah is B'mariv. The sun, the moon, and the stars are heading in that direction. And this is Though it's a very great indication of Bittl, yet it's a Madrega Hatachtona of Bittl. Because there are higher levels of Bittl. There are higher levels that indicate that their whole existence and their whole life is dependent upon God Himself. The Gavom Alim Yosef. 
those that are higher than the sun, higher than the moon and the stars, higher than the all the celestial bodies. There's much, much more that's far and beyond that we cannot detect through any vessel, any uh, instrument. Uh, we have uh, all kinds of electronic ma microscopes, uh, telescopes rather, telescopes that go into <coughs> outer space. And just like inner space, there's much left to be found and to be reached. So much is there in outer space. And in the outer space, there are things that we cannot pick up with these uh, telescopes because of their distance, the vast distance. So there are creatures, and there are gavom alehem, things that are higher and yet further and more distant than all of these galaxies. Why? How come these creatures stand with a greater dedication and devotion and loss and nullification before God? God created them in such a way where the godliness is in a more revealed stage. So one leads to another. Where godliness is in more revelation and a revealed stage, the people is greater. When God conceals his revelation, it's in a con uh, covered, then the beetle is less and is more yesh. We on this world are betachlis hayesh. That means alakus is concealed maximum, and the yesh senses himself in the maximum that he's here. So there, here we find two levels of, of the nivrayim. Those that are closer to the gilui stand in a beetle to God. Those that are further away stand in a mitzvah. So here, the Bittle Mithnei Skarbusim, they are close about, they are Zergam Benishamos. There are also Nishamos people, individuals. There are personalities, people, who sense godliness because of the revelation. There are those who absolutely are, it's like a doorknob, doesn't sense a thing, it's a doornail. It's, there's no activity, you can't, you can't, we can't put a doornail into a flashlight and make the bulb light. There's no, there's no reason for it. But you say a battery is dead, it's like, it's, it's like a doornail. I mean, that's an expression. There are neshamas that just don't sense alakos. Why? It's not that they're bad or they're wrong or they're no good. <coughs> God put them at that like in that Snake River. They put them there at that such a level, level, and from there, find your way back. Remove these cloaks. God puts on cloaks. He puts on all kinds of coverings. Adashem Moloch Yehus Lovesh. Whereas Levushim that God puts into the world. And he gives you the zippers. He says, you can take them all off. And once you remove all of the Levushim, you can send Elokus. That's what a Tzadik does. Hispashtus HaLevushim. Vyalder Zegam B'Nishamos. There are Nishamos. There are Nishamos Hayosek Kravos. There are Nishamos that are extremely close to God. What do you mean close? God is everywhere. You don't have to travel to get to God. There's nothing that is so close to you as God himself because he's keeping you alive. That's your, that's your life. What does it mean close to God? Close to the revelation, to sense, to feel the closeness of God. And such neshamos, such people, such individuals are called achim, brothers, vareim, and friends. We find that there are those who are considered friends. What does it mean when you are friendly with a person? You're in close relation. Your, your spirits are together. Your, your entire uh, trends are parallel. Here, 
these neshamas are so fortunate to actually have a pleasure to enjoy the closeness of godliness. Unfortunately, the person who only has a concept of physical delight and physical pleasure, food, eating, drinking, sleeping, all of these pleasures, how great they may be, are so far yet from the real pleasure, the real gishmak fargnigan of tasting godliness. Dabra Melech was such a great tzaddik. He was very lofty. He had Ruach HaKodesh and he was able to write the Tehillim. And in the Tehillim he says, he's begging us. He says, I know what it's all about because I worked myself up to this level. Vatamu uru'u kitov havaya. Dovra Melech begs and he says, look, I see it, I taste it, I know it. Dovra Melech was a serious amalchus. Chai v'kayim. He wants us, to, he wants to share it with us. So he pleads and he says, look, I, you don't want to take it all at once? Tamu, just taste it. Like a mother who makes a very delicious porridge. She knows it's good for the kid and the kid doesn't want to eat it. All she begs is, Tamu, come on, just taste it. Maybe you'll like it. Tamu, Ruki Toiv Havai. There was a time when the Alter Rebbe used to go from city to city and say Torah in a base medrash. There used to be Magidim. Uh, preachers, lecturers used to go from shul to shul and talk, Musr, Magidus. So the Alter Rebbe took advantage and said, they let the rabbi come to the pulpit, he might as well show what his wares are, what he has to offer. So, besides his godly appearance, the Alter Rebbe's appearance itself, those who have seen the picture of the Alter Rebbe, it's a godly look. The walking over to the bima and just saying a few words he doesn't say any long maimarim. There are maimarim that are just a few lines. A whole maimar. Baruch Hashem, today we have maimarim that take 45 minutes or an hour. There, in a matter of a few seconds, he would finish the whole maimar. It was three or four lines. Here was a case where he just said a pasuk. He came into a city. This was the time of the battle between Sidon and Snaki. People didn't know whom to turn to. And the altar ever walked over to the shul everyone saw him and his godly appearance and they stood and listened closely and all he said was tamu uru kitov havaya farzucht betirzen as the ebishta is good that's all what he said the rebbe when he said the sicha he told it in the sicha he said the altar rebbe had a nigan hayudua tamu uru kitov havaya and that's all what he said. And he walked away from the pulpit. And as he walked out of Shul, hundreds of them followed him. You know the story of the Pied Piper family. He just walked and magnetized the people followed him. And he had many, many Hasidim that were attached to him just through that one Torah. So Dovid HaMelech says, He's telling you that there is such a great pleasure in godliness. But this is something that you just can't buy in the store. Sit down at a table, take a fork and a spoon and a plate and eat it. This is a duh, it's a different kind of a taste, it's a different kind of a sweetness, it's a different kind of a pleasure. And the Tamakhtara goes elaborately, and the Alpha Rebbe does it in the Lakuti Torah too, to explain in detail 
that every pleasure in this world, how great and how delightful it may be, is far cry from a small fraction of what God has to enjoy it. We have no idea what it's like. There's no example on this world to describe. Well, I'll tell you, the taste of Elocus is like uh, good sweet yogurt. I mean, I could, I, there's no words for it. There's no way to describe Or a nice piece of music. Or some nice, beautiful uh, violin piece. I want you to know there are pleasures in this world. There are things that are comfortable and delightful and filled with pleasure. But all of these pleasures, if you take them together, for a hundred of years, persons enjoying these pleasures do not come to a fraction of what it means to enjoy Elocus. It's such a good thing. Tamu, he begs. Just taste it, Uru, and then you, not only you will taste, you will actually see. Uru means to see. When you see something, that's the most strong proof. Uru, you can actually see. Kitov Havaya, that godliness is good. So these are the neshamos that actually see godliness and sense godliness. If you can join the thing, because I'm happy to see that we ran out of page 61. Good company, we've got a big crowd. So that is the Hiskavras to Gilealikus. They are the Nikoram Achim Vereim. They are the ones who actually are considered like brothers and friends. Shenanim Iziv Hashkina. They actually have a Hana. They actually enjoy. They have a pleasure. Miziv Hashkina. The ray of Hashem's presence. And that is found in Ganadin. That's what Ganadin is all about. The world of delight. Ganadin. Ganadin Hoelyoin. In the Tachlis Habitl, there they are in a total beetle and a loss. Because that is the vessel in tasting Alakus, the absence of your own yashas. You see, they, they cannot be together. The Chovas Halavavas tells us a rule. Just like you cannot put fire and water into the same vessel and expect them to join, either the fire is going to burn up the water or the water is going to put out the fire. The same thing is Avas Olam and Avas Hashem cannot work together. One has to cancel the other. So calls the man, the person has a drive, a desire to worldly matters, to Gashmi's Tikataibas. I'm not talking about you shouldn't want to eat. The person should want to eat because he has to have Koyach. But Rebbe said this Shabbos that the Alta Rebbe was Megala the Shita that we cannot accomplish through fasting, what they used to do in the time of the Gemara, there was a time people used to correct their sins through fasting. The Rebbe said, this generation, the person is not physically built to fast. And therefore, it could be transferred into tzedakah, the chatech of the tzedakah break. So the idea of eating and the idea of having food and delight, that definitely is, is it's, it's a thing that the person needs. But if the person wants that as his prime goal, then he's pushing his shen aside. If his prime goal is just the food, clothing, and shelter, that is his main, the acme, the paramount focus in his life, then he is not leaving any room for Hashem. So how does one come to make room for shachanti besochem v'asoloi mikdash? Mikdash shaloshen kedusha havdalah to have a distaste. In other words, your passion, your desire, your drive shouldn't be in a form of gluttony just to eat to fresh. To eat with Lashem Shamayim, to sleep the way Ayyid should sleep, as the Rebbe says, 
You go to sleep like a yid, you'll sleep like a yid. You'll wake up like a yid. Then you can say shalos guy. You wake up, you're, you're a yid. So here too, the tachlis of the bitl in Gan Eden, it's a world of delight. And that is one level of creatures, things that sense godliness. Mahabez, now the Rebbe says there are second. There's a second sort of creature that Hashem created. He actually divides the whole universe into two. Those that sense godliness, the world, the extraneous, the things that are from the outside. What does it mean from the outside? They don't sense godliness. That's like they're standing from the outside. Like if a guy has uh, two uh, earphones and he's hearing something beautiful, a nice piece of music, and you're just watching him, he's excited, and you, you don't hear a thing. You're here outside. He's, you're watching the guy bounce around, and you don't even know what's going on. You can see sometimes the guys drive by in the car, the windows are closed. They're bouncing in the seat. They're happy. You don't know what's going on, but you know something's good there. The same thing is here. Mm-hmm. If a person doesn't sense alakus, he's chitzonius oilamus. He's missing the show. These are the creatures that God created them intentionally. God made the person in such a way that they should be Adarabah. This was the pattern of the creation, that a person should sense that I am something. I am a Messias. I am a Yesh. He has the word Mamish. Actually, a creature has been put into the dimensions where he senses that he is something, a separate, independent entity. Who can do that? Only God himself. Who could create such a yesh? Who could bring about that a creature should scream, I am it, and there's nothing besides me? Well, what is the yesh? So it actually could be retraced back to the yesh ha'amiti, because Hashem himself is the true yesh, as the Rambam says. He calls Hashem Metzias. Metzias means the real existence. But his Metzias is Metzias, say Musai. His Metzias did not need anything besides him to bring him about. And there's nothing that he needs now to continue existing. No creature can say that. Every creature needs something else to keep it alive. There's no element, there's no speck that can escape and say, I can get along myself. Everything needs something, and there's a fuel that is a consumption, uh, consuming. Something that is being used up, there's waste, there's intake and output, all of this is because it's not creator, it's creature. Creature means it's something that's dependent. So this yesh, and this metzias that screams, I am independent, what are the yeshes? But I'm a knacker, I don't have to be bottled to the Abish, I could live my life the way I'd like to. I want to eat what I want to eat, and I'm going to work what I want to work. That's called yesh. How does such a yesh come about? Because HaKadosh Baruch was the real yesh. He couldn't form that form of yesh. But he wants you to transfer that yesh into Kedusha. That that yesh should head directly to HaKadosh Baruch That's why Yisrael begins with the two letters Yud Shin, the yesh. But Resh Lamed Aleph. Aleph Lamed refers to HaKadosh Baruch And Resh, that is his direction, Miloshan Rosh, his head. What is he headed towards Aleph Lamed to HaKadosh Baruch He takes his yesh and he brings it closer to HaKadosh Baruch and that is, that's why it says voracious, because of that reish. 
where's your direction, where are you heading to, towards the Aleph Lamet. Ukumasha Kosov, the Rebbe says, I'll bring you proof that there is such a thing as period in this world, where the Torah says so. What better proof can we have than the Torah itself? Kamasha Kosov, we could bring proof by picking up a piece of wood. Here's a piece of wood. The Rebbe says, I got better proof. The Torah says so. You're picking up that piece of wood and saying that Amayash isn't enough. It might be imagination. The Torah says, Kamasha Kosov, Umisham ye pares. And from there began the separation. A nifrit, a period. That is a general picture of what takes place in Berea, Yitzira, and Asiya. There is a world which senses only the presence of God. There is nothing besides God. God is everything. Everything is God. That's Olam Ha'atzilus, Olam Ha'achus. Starts a new, it's like if you would want to make a map of the world, you put a line. Okay, here begins Yesh, Olam Habriya, from here and on. That's the Hecholos de Neugah de Biyah. The Gambozah, Yesh Ishtal Shalos. We're on page 62. That is, the heart itself is autonomic. You are trying, you're making an attempt to give an example of something that happens within itself without any outer force. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, that's right, yeah. In other words, the heart does not need a, uh, a nerve stimulus to, uh, to get going. It, uh, it, starts, it, it starts its own heartbeat. It keeps its own heartbeat going. It has brakes on it to slow it down. There are nerves, nerve impulses that slow down the heart rate. But if these nerve impulses run impair, yeah, the heart rate might go on either at a high rate or a higher rate. Than I was informed that there is actually an electrical spark that does surround the heart give it the beat. Because, uh, yeah, that spark comes from, from within the own heart itself. Right. The focus of the, the heart starts itself heartbeat. And in other words, it is self-generating. That's correct. Right. It is not a stira that we're talking here. You are talking about an activity that is self-generating. You're not talking about the metzias of self-existence. There's activity no. and existence. <coughs> so this heart, still flesh, it needs a chayas to be mechayas, to keep it alive. It cannot be by itself. Though the activity, as you say and as you describe, does happen by itself, I would compare that perhaps, I may be wrong, the eye is able to see and there's nothing that will cause it. This is the way the eye functions. The ear hears, there's nothing that does it, it's just that's how Hashem, it's a koach. So the defiko delibo, the Rebbe talks, elaborately in Lakute Torah. What brings about the Fiku Duliba? And it's not a contradiction to what you are saying, but at an occasion when we will have the opportunity, we'll open up the Lakute Torah and see how the Alter Rebbe explains in precise detail how the heartbeat actually takes place. What is the Shurish? And he brings down that it comes from the brain. He does link the heartbeat to the brain. And this we have to sort of see which part is referring to what you're talking about and what the Alter Rebbe is. But this does call for a clarification. But definitely the Alter Rebbe does say that the Fiko Deliba, Dalet Pei Kuf, 100, well, Kuf Pei Dalet, that's 184. That number is a very, very important number so far as the heartbeat is concerned. Kuf Pei Dalet. And he uses that in Shemus, Kapat Kisad, in Yom Shemus, 
that is a, as a beautiful topic that is worthwhile <coughs> to enter into, and I hope Doctor will have the occasion to be able to go into that in more detail, because in Lukuchi Torah, the Alter Rebbe talks about this in the beginning in Pukude, Pukude as Kuf the Fak, Tefikud Aliba, who talks about that, and it's good that you brought up this point, so perhaps at an occasion we'll be able to get to it. Returning to this point, the Olamas of Biyah, everyone has page 62. There's also a whole chain of Hishtalshlish, Shekolakor of Yoiser, that which is closer, Olama Briya is closer to Hashem, there's more Giloy. Yosel Kneya Bayadayna and Abuchin is Nifrit, so it's less Nifrit. More Giloy, less Nifrit, Kolka. Abuchin is Naigadasiya, until the lowest levels, which is called this world. Jehina Chronim Hishtalshlish. We are on a very unique planet, a very unique world. On this world is the topless Hayashus. You don't find it anywhere else because there's nothing lower. The Alter Rebbe says in chapter 39 in Tanya, there's nothing lower than this world. So far as the concealment of godliness. That's why on this world, a person senses himself as if he's a Nifrit Gomer. Absolute separation. At until there can be a person that will scream that I am my own and I need nothing else. Who said that? Paro, Achamar, Liya Ori, that this body of water, the Nile River, that's my own creation, Vani Asisini, I created myself. He was out to convince others that he is godly and he can create himself. He has creative power. It was false. It was totally false. What gave the possibility to him to try even to make an attempt to fool people that he was God? Only because this world is such a dark world, any Tom, Dick, and Harry can go up and say, I'm God, and, and if he gets fools enough to follow them, it's, it's been in the history where, where people go astray. Because it's Olam Hagashmi, this is Olam Ho'asiyah. In regard to the light of godliness, which reaches the upper level of creatures that we spoke about before, Phnemius, those who do sense godliness, they are nurtured through the Esther spirits of Olam HaTikun. We were talking about before Tohu and Tikun. Tohu is animal-wise, Tikun is human, humanity, uh, the concept of being civilized, a human being. Esther spirits the Tikun. Because in the Esther spirits, these ten spirits, which are now in the system of Tikkun, as we gave you the example of the three segols, the Sir Adam. So there in Atilos, Atilos, the Yuvagamrechad, the light and Hashem is united, <coughs> and the lights and the vessels are united, and the vessels are united with Hashem. The Yuvagamrechad behind, Shegama Kalim, not only the lights are united with God in Atilos. You have to remember, whenever you talk about higher worlds, you have to talk about lights and vessels. That is in every concept. Your body and your soul is a, a light in a vessel. Everything has a light in a vessel. The, the, the Arizal says even a stone is a light in a vessel. Even an Evan has a nephesh in it that keeps it alive. That's the light, and the stone itself is the vessel. So even the Kalim, that's the spirits in Atsilus, which are considered already the lower levels of Atsilus, it's only the Kali. These vessels are very, very high, because they are totally uh, permeated. They are taken through and through with the light of the Yalakus that shines in the Berenseif. 
even the Shamas and the Malachim that are created from them. In other words, they are created, they're creations, Yeshmiyayan. Yet, they are constantly in a beetle to Alakus, totally magnetized to godliness. Because these ten spheres of Olam HaTikon demonstrate, demonstrate and reveal godliness as godliness is in its truth. Alakus. And therefore, from these ten spheres of Tikkun, there could have never come or evolved a piece of wood or a stone or a metal, a Gashmiyastik world, the way we see it. So if we would evolve from the essence spheres of Tikkun, it would continually be in a spiritual level. That's why these creatures that were created directly from the essence spheres of Tikkun, like Nishamos and Malachim, they are totally spiritual. They are bottled to Hashem. That's why they are bottled to godliness. How did the extraneous, the outside portion, the exterior of the world, that means the part of the world that screams, I am something, how did they get formed? It's only because they were brought to such a far distance from the revelation of God. That's where Shvira Sakelam plays a prominent role in the chain of creating this Gashmistika world. If it has not been, it would, would have been Shvira Sakelam, but a continuing process of less and less and less, it still would be continually spiritual. So there had to be that breakage. This was it was only possible through this great retraction, withdrawal of light, and the Hesra, and this is traced back to Olam HaTohu, Kalim de Tohu, that is the vessels of Tohu, the Achar, after there was the Shvira, and this is what the Rebbe says, from the broken vessels of Olam HaTohu was it possible that this world should be in a <coughs> form and in the level the way it is now. And there's where the yesh came into existence. Mayhem from these kalim, So the Rebbe logically justified the existence of yesh the way we see it only because there was this what we call Shvira Sakalim. And it's important to know Shmir Sakalim because when we sit down to eat, we have to realize that in this piece of bread, these are sparks of Olam HaTohu. And you are representing Olam HaTikun. You have an Ashama from Tikun. And as you eat the bread and use that energy to serve Hashem, you are merging and elevating Tohu into Tikun. It sounds esoteric, but it's terrific. You are now carrying out your purpose in life. God gave you two links one link over here, one link, and you have to be that middle link to bring them both together, Tohu and Tikkun. When this is done, when this is completed, that means the Golas has come to an end. And as the Rebbe said this Shabbos, he wants us to Sturme de Welt, to stir up turbulence into the world and let the world know Mashiach is coming. And let's hope he comes. Because he wants to meet us with joy. And Eli, you know what makes happy.
Right. Right. Love and none. Pay, hey, cook. None. Hey, 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 cook Zion. Uh, Mayor is asking a question about the strain of unlimited of trying to handle many unlimited numbers of children in the family. He doesn't feel that you can bring up quality children in great numbers. Your personal evaluation and your personal assumption that a large family is difficult to raise. But uh, you sort of ask the question to someone who Hashem has been blessed. Right. I'm glad I'm asking you. <laughs> a family, Baruch Hashem, Chazbe Hashem, Alazayn Gesund from Shtarkinayin Hora. I think it's the most pleasant, the most highly rewarding, and uh, truly possible, feasible, with, of course, Hashem's help. I mean, if the guy is destitute and he's uh, no food, clothing, and shelter, every other child is another burden. And that respect, however, even that point is disputable. The Rebbe says, every child that is brought into the house opens a new channel, opens a new flow of blessings. We who don't have these meters to detect what is blessing or how much is blessing, we may fail to get that message across, but of all the gifts that Hashem endows to mankind, none is comparable to the gift of having a child. The actual ability to reproduce, as Hasidah sees it, is the Koach Ha'in Sof, God is infinite. And we find nothing in our own experience that is truly infinite because we are finite. Except this one rule, the power of reproduction. As you probably have heard, tape number 33, which was just released on Tanya, talks in much detail on that topic. And at your leisure, you have a chance to listen to tape 33. It does discuss this question of the great responsibility and the great gift that God took of his own infinite power and gave it to mankind because reproduction is infinity. See, this called it Ain Sof Sheb and Ephraim, infinite power that was given over to a finite creature. Now, to be the Chacham and to decide, well, what they call today pre-planned, programmed marriage, according to as the Rebbe explains it in much detail at Fabrengen's at many occasions, is so wrong and it's so contrary to the concept of Bitochon and Emunah. True, <coughs> there are cases where difficulties are experienced and things are hard to actually say, well, which way to turn, and that is where you have to look at the Shulchan Aruch and the Halakha. The actual getting another child is not getting another burden, but it is a sort of a merit. It's a point on your account that God has found you favorite in his eyes to want to give you another neshama. 
for as we see this neshama, this one single child that's born represents potentially an entire generation. An entire generation of yidden that are going to be shame, terror, mitzvahs, and, and do everything that's so good. So a God-fearing person would so strongly anticipate and await the ability to carry out this godly mission of bringing down another neshama on this world according to the law of halacha, taras hamishpocha, not just the idea of bringing a child. I mean, it's legitimate. I mean, that, that's, that, that's out of the question. We're talking about bringing down a child through halacha to bring down another neshama, v'taro, v'kdusha, as the Torah tells us. There is no greater merit, so great of a merit that of all the mitzvahs of the Torah, Hashem puts that the very first mitzvah. And of all the commandments to Adam, that was the very first commandment, So, it's hard to sit back and tell the other fellow, well, your difficulties are just in the imagination, or your poverty is just, well, it's, it's, it's only in the mind. It's not. There are guys that are really having a hard time. <coughs> and that's why there's such a thing as tzedakah, there's charity, and there's assistance. But one cannot say, you're a burden to the community, you have a kid every year. <laughs> that, that, that you like that question, but it's, it's wrong. That is not true. He is building the community. And on that, for that reason, there, there is such a thing as tzedakah to support such an individual who has done everything in his power to support himself and has failed to succeed. That's where tzedakah takes over. A guy can't sit back and say, well, I'm going to just twiddle my thumbs and let the community chest chip in. That's wrong. So family planning, according to the Torah, is absolutely out. First of all, it steps into the very, very dangerous area of the major violation of wasting the seed. That, that, that cannot be overlooked. That cannot be overlooked and that has to be dealt with a major seriousness. Or as the Rebbe explains it in the Tzavach Tzedek's Derech Mitzvah the very first chapter, Mitzvah's Peru explains there that when Hashem is plucked out of Gan Eden from the highest of the highs, enjoying the Elikus, and he's brought down onto this world in order to carry out a mission of that Neshama is brought down not according to the specification as Torah requires, but through a way which Torah considers as levatola, wasteful, then this neshama is cast into klipos. This neshama is thrown into exile until the person does teshuva. And that's where Krishma Shal Hamita, the recital of the Krishna before going to sleep, the Arizal says that this is in particular aimed for that transgression. That if a person before going to see, sleep says Krishna, and he listens to the translation of each word, and he asks God to forgive him for that mistake, then the Arizal says, that will return the spark of Kedusha, which was dropped into Klipos, and return back. And Sabbatetic warns that if that is not done, these sparks of Kedusha revolt against that person and bring all types of unexplainable disasters or maladies or diseases or things that even medicine can't cure. These become revolutionaries against the person. 
So if a person has fallen prey to that area in particular, the Arizal says, don't push the panic button, don't give up. There's an Eitzah. He himself had trodden this path for us. In other words, until the Arizal come, came along, we did not know this until the Alter Rebbe found that, and he put it into Tanya, right in chapter 7. He says, listen, boys, don't panic. True, Hasrushalom, if someone had fallen prey to that wrongdoing, there is a trodden road. There's a new path that the Arizal opened, and he said, and it's based on the Gemara. You see, the Arizal didn't originate it. He just revealed it. Based on what the Gemara says, that a person who lanes Krishna, kol hakore kriya shmal mitaso, kilo ochez cherev shal as if he's holding a sword and he's removing all of the extraneous forces that have surrounded that neshama and returns it to kedusha. So that that is an important factor to take into consideration, not ever to step not only into the shady area but even close to that area of chastu shalom with this bring about that transgression. There's much more to talk about, and uh, I hope I've answered some of what you have asked until now. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Today is Rosh Chodesh Nisan, Rokshin and Zion. We hope that, as the Rebbe said, the month of Nisan, the name itself, Nisan, has the word Nes in it, Nun Samach. As you'll hear tonight, 6 o'clock, I'm going to tell it to the kids on the radio. If you tune in, you'll have a good time. And fact that Nisan has two nuns means Nisi Nisan. We can anticipate and expect and demand and pray to Hashem, please. This is a month where you are popular for Nisan. Let's not just mark it off on a calendar. Another month Nisan went by. But it should be, as the Rebbe says, Tokshin Memzayim Zu Mashiach, Mishnas Mashiach. This this should be the year the year of the coming of Mashiach, the month of the Geula, Main Kenyahiratzon. We are now on page sixty two. And on page 62, we have been actually talking about the various changes so far as the nivra is concerned. Why is this called a high-quality nivra? And this is a low-quality nivra. Why is this a, an elevated one? This is a lowered one. This all has to do with godliness as it is either in a revealed stage or in a concealed stage. So it's, it's not the nivra itself, actually. If godliness is revealed to this nivra, and this nivra is prepared, he's giving that astronaut suit to be able to stand that powerful beacon of light coming towards him, then he is considered a high-quality nivra. Whereas a nivra who is far away and put away and cast away and is not given this ability to receive the Kedusha of Hashem, he's called Chitzonios. This is called Pneumius Olimus, this is called Chitzonios. So this is, as the Rebbe says, in Olimus Biyah, there's a whole Hishtalshlus from the very top. That which is that much closer to Hashem. Now in spiritualism, closeness doesn't mean in space, but in revelation. If you sense the revelation of God, that means you're closer. If a person fails to sense it, that's distance. So we have a new measuring stick in close and distance. Close means if you feel it, you got it. If you don't feel it, and then you're not there. So in said that which is closer, that means so he's not a nifrit. He doesn't feel himself separate. He's closer. And the closer you are, the more attached you sense yourself to be. Until the very lowest level of Olam Horasiya, this world, 
This is a very special world. And they send down very special people to handle it. Malachim can't handle this world. The Malachim said to God, come on, give us a chance. Give me a body. Send me down. And as I told you, they couldn't take it. Because the body is such a powerful deterrent that only a neshama could withstand it. A malach cannot take that body. The body is a very, very strong deterrent away from Kedusha. It's the final cloak given to the soul. You see, as the neshama is ejected, if we could use that word, Hashem exhales the neshama. The Torah says it, so we can use the word for the Torah. After Hashem sent the neshama from himself, blow and you blow the up the Rebbe says it's a part of you so as Hashem sent the Neshama out as it went out we can't say out because there's no places out Hashem is everywhere so what does it mean he blew out what do you mean blow when you blow it has to be an exhale you inhaled you have some air in your lungs and you exhale and it's in and there's out where's the in and out where so far as God is concerned so the answer is as we said before revelation or concealment so the the taking the neshama out of God means placing a cloak around it and concealing God. That's called out. The more concealment, the more out. This world is after the neshama had received from Atzilas a lavush, a garment, and there's a lavush from Bria and Yitzira, until it's given this final cloak, like a person has many layers of clothing. The same thing in the neshama has many layers of this cloak, which keeps it much further and further and further. And to each cloak, God gives you the key as how to dislodge it. So we are given 120 years of health and good success, during which we are to remove all of these garments. Otherwise, at the start, the person is given a very heavy bundle of clothes. And as he lives his life on earth, through doing all these 613 mitzvahs. Each one is instrumental in removing, in dislodging, divesting oneself from these concealments. And every mitzvah takes you closer to Hashem. That's why the word mitzvah is from the word tzav, so, to adhere, to connect. Not only commandment. The word tzav means command. Tzav also means to connect. It reconnects the neshama to Hashem. So this world is a unique world because this is the furthest you couldn't have put the neshama at a more further distance than putting it into this world and in a body. And wait a minute. Some Yetzahara. Why? The first person finds that his Yetzahara is way, way out of beam and it's really, really no, no good at all. He should pat himself on the shoulder. Why? That is only given to a person who has a very high lofty neshama. But God is a God of justice. No one can walk up to the heavenly court and say, Hey, you gave me a bad Yitzhahara. You know what he told me to do? I'm afraid to tell you a lot. I don't want anyone else to hear. I'm embarrassed. So the judge will only say, I got news for you, boy. We only give such a big Yitzhahara to a one who has a big Yitzhahara. Moshe Rabbeinu, I want you to know, he wasn't a snap cookie. He didn't just become like this. He was given one of the most difficult nefesh abahamas, Yitzhahara, the Gemara tells us, and the Medrash tells an interesting story. I don't know if you heard this one. They found a portrait that an artist vows that this is authentic in the Medrash. A picture, someone made a picture of Moshe Rabbeinu. 
And they were all excited and they lined up to see it. And he had this display of people from all over because this guy was authentic. He was real. He wasn't fooling. He was honest. He was sincere. And they said, come, I'm going to show you Moshe Rabbeinu's picture. <coughs> and as they all walked in with all excitement, as they walked out, they were all disappointed. Horribly disappointed. They saw a face of an tyrant, the streaks, the face of a person who's cruel and mean. And they want to, I want my money back. What is this? Hey, Toby's going to show me Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe, the one who, who ran after that little lamb. Moshe Ishches said, Hashem said, oh, you're the man that can take care of my children. I watched how you took care of the lamb. Moshe, oh, of Yisrael. What do you mean his features were cruel quality? The explanation is quite obvious. The Medrash goes on to say, because at the very start, Hashem, in order to give Moshe such a great and holy, powerful super neshama, to make Bechira and to give the equal of choice, he was given that much power in the opposite side to convert to Kedusha. So it was even noticeable on his, on his features. This is mentioned in the Medrash, and if you wish, I'll tell you where the Medrash is. As we continue the Mimer, the Rebbe says now that this world, Olam Hoasiyah, is the very lowest of the chain of worlds. Therefore, this world is at a world where you find yourself in this world, you're in an environment that screams that I am something. I am a yesh. Until Paro, the wicked Paro, what did he say? He wasn't ashamed to say it either. He wasn't buckled to Hashem. He screamed, Li Ya'ori, this Nile River, this is mine. In Egypt, there is no rain. Rashi says, in Egypt, there's no rain. We have rain because the clouds come, and there's this condensation, and the rain comes down. In Egypt, how do they live? There's a lot of irrigation, there's a lot of growth. Garden Eretz Mitzrayim, the Chumash talks about the garden of, Jer of Egypt to be something of beauty. So the answer is the Nile River overflows at certain times. They know in advance when because it's perfectly timed. They dig irrigation ditches and the water gathers there. They use it until the next overflow. As the Medrash tells us, it was the bracha that Yaakov gave the Mitzvah Yaakov Esparo when he gave the bracha, so that the Nilos should always come towards them to give the land. So Paro <coughs> saw that the Nilos comes towards him. In fact, he was supposed to give honor to Yaakov and respect him. No, he took it personally and says, ah, the Nile is coming to me. And through the Nile, the whole Egypt is living. So that's me. So he called, considered himself a gachka. Li Yaori, the Yaor, this body of water is Li, this is mine. It's my own doing. Kulu. These creatures that receive godliness in a revealed stage. The Rebbe is now sort of winding up the mimer and telling us, okay, now let's take all the parts of the puzzle and put them together now. We have Olam HaTikun, we have Olam HaTohu. So the Nishamos and Malachim and the Pneumius Olamos that get God in a revealed stage, where do they draw their light from? 
the ten spheres of Olam Hatikun. Because there's a system of three, a system of blending, a system of balance. Well, they are there in the stage of revelation of godliness. Mamish. Where do we find it? Mamish. In Olam Hatzilas. In Olam Hatzilas, it is actually the Pchinas Gilui, the fourth line from the top. The Ihu Vagarmo Ichad Bahal. That even the Kalim, the vessels of Hatzilas, that's the Spirit of the Same Betelim, Yichad and therefore, even the vessels are buckled to the infinite light of God. Not only the Or, but even the vessel. It's a world where there is total, it is totally taken through and through. In Yiddish they use the word durgenomen, through and through with godliness. So therefore, even the neshamas and the malachim, which are b'chines yeshmi, ayin, they were created, yet they have this bitl more, because the essence spheres, the tikkun, ain't elokus, the ten spheres. As they come to us in the priest, in the person, in the uh, form of tikkun, in the process of tikkun, they come to us in, as a gili of elokus. It is not so in the case of the esospheres, the tohu. The lights that come through esospheres, the tohu, go through shviras hakelem, and it brings about yesh. So Pnimi Yisraelim gets it through esospheres, the tikkun. Therefore, it's elokus, ve'im betachlas And therefore, from such spheres, could have never come about, come about this world the way it's now in Gashmias. That's why we need the Olam HaTohu to bring about the Yeshus. But from these Oyrus uh, that come, the Pishaya, as is with the Tikkunay, Lukas, Vaintarim, Zabitl, E. Epsha, Shiyem, Zebbikhinus, Yesh Mamish. It's not possible that there should be a Yesh Mamish from these Esospheres. And therefore, Ha Nishamos. These neshamas of malachim and the angels, shenisavu mehem. These neshamas that came from essence spheres, the tikkun, mehem ginyalakus. Godliness shines at them at a revealed stage. Mehem gam kem bepchines bittul, and therefore they are bottled to alakus. One has to do with the other because godliness shines at them at a revealed stage. They stand in a bittul to alakus. But the outer world, the world that do not get godliness in a revealed stage, therefore they consider themselves, they feel themselves as a nifrid. Why do they feel that they are a Matthias? Because they are at a distance. What kind of a distance we spoke about before? A spiritual distance, so far as concealment is concerned. Simpson the Hester What brought about this Simpson? What brought about this Hester? Because that concept, that feel, that sensation that you're a Metzias comes from Tohu, which of course included that process of Shvirus HaKelem. Who may HaKelem the Tohu? This is the Kalem of Tohu. After there was a Shvira, these vessels broke. And the lights returned. And what came down was only these divine sparks which were stuck to the broken parts of this vessel. From the broken vessels of Tohu. This is a vessel in which the light is not in a revealed stage. 
therefore, this brings it to the surface. Therefore, a yesh can appear. This brings about the possibility that there should be a yesh. And that's what begins yesh. In order that there should be a yesh, it had to be the union of Shvira Sakalam. Nasa Bibchinis Yesh Mehem. Mehem from these vessels, Nisabhinis Ayesh Bibiyah. Shubhinis Yesh Bidavar Nifrid. That this oilam, Briya, Yitzira, and Asiya, they are now a Madrega of Yesh. What makes them sense that they are Bibchinis Yesh? The fact that they have been nurtured through a light which has passed through the system of Tohu, and that includes Shvira Sakalam. Shvira Sakalam, as we learned before, in a very elaborate form and in detail, the Shvira itself brings about Mitzvahs. Imkain and therefore, Now the Rebbe returns back to the original theme. How come a person, in order that he is able to survive and to live, needs to eat and to drink? So the answer is right in here in the Mimer. Person is Olam HaTikun, and he needs Olam HaTohu, because in Olam HaTohu, he will find sparks that are higher than his root, where he had originally come from. Well, I'll explain you, for instance, <coughs> the fact that Tohu represents the sparks that have fallen down, down the lowest level and made a yesh, that hit the bottom of the barrel, comes to indicate that the Nitzitzas from Tohu come from very, very high. So we asked the question before, why does a person have to eat? So we answered, because there's a word of God that said, from the Asura Mamoros, so a person doesn't live from the food itself, but he lives from the word of God that created that bread. So the Rebbe said, wait, that's no answer. The person was also created through the words of God. Why isn't that sufficient? Now the Rebbe says, true. The bread was created through the words of God, and man was created through the words of God. But the very fact that from the words of God was evolved, were evolved this Gashmiistika, these Gashmiistika Mitziasin, comes to tell us that that word came from a deeper source. So therefore, if a person is eating something, he is taking something within himself that is higher, so he is actually, he needs, and he's dependent upon these higher Nitzosos. This is as the Rebbe says, and it's beautifully placed in these words. First, the Rebbe tells us the great advantage a person has over the plant. He is from Tikkun, and that's only from Tohu. Because we're talking it as a Yerida, it fell lower, and a person is higher. So on this world, he is higher, and the food, and the Tzameach, and the Chai is at a lower stage. He has to bend down to get it, spiritually and physically too. Therefore, the person comes from Tikkun. So naturally, a person has a bitl to Elokus. He could understand godliness. He can study it and work himself up to come to the Prina's <coughs> Since the plants and the animals and the vegetables and all of these that are included in Tzamea Chai come from Shosh, their Shosh is from Shvira Sarkinim Tzamea, therefore, you will notice that they are not the Prinus Bittel to Elokus, they are the Prinus Yesh. The Rebbe says, <coughs> it's like looking at a ruler, and you see that the 1 is here and the 12 is here. Now take it and turn around this way, you'll find the 12 at the top and the 1 at the bottom. That's what he's going to do. This is only Beseda Hishtalshlis, as we see it. 
We are higher than the Tzomech. Domein, Tzomech, Haim, Medaber. Medaber is at the top. But as they have evolved from their root above, it is just the opposite, the exact opposite. Are before prior to them. Because Taihu comes before Tikkun. It's all right. In Tohu there was much powerful, great lights. And the Tikkun, the lights were already brought down to a lower level in order that the vessels can take them. The Tikkun, Oris Moatim. We don't only mean so far as the the amount of light, but also the quality of light, both in quality and in quantity. It's an entirely different, more powerful light in Olam HaTohu than the light of Olam HaTikun. So therefore, So therefore, we see that the Tzomech, the Tzomech, and the Chai are rooted in a level that is even higher than the Shorosh of the person. In certain aspects, yes, we have to understand that when we say that Tohu is Kodem Latikan, it's higher than the Nishama as it came down here. In other words, as it has set itself out on this world, this one is higher than that. You can't say that Nishama is anything higher than the Nishama. We're talking about as they are put into the world, the Domim Tzumei Chai come from Tohu, which is a higher process than Tikkun. The Rabbi says, this led to that. Because they came from such a high root, I'll gain. Therefore, the philosophy the fall of these high sparks, as they fall, they fall much lower. And he gave you this example that I gave you once before. There's a wall of stones. There are bricks from the top and the middle and the bottom. This uppermost stone, as the wall falls, will fall at a much greater distance than the stones that are at a level that are lower. The Alkane, <coughs> the same thing as these Nitzotos, because this became a cow, this became a sheep, this became a piece of bread, this itself indicates that it's rooted very high Lamayla. The Alkane, and therefore the Rebbe says a very interesting point here. Why are animals more powerful? They're stronger. An elephant can carry a big load. An ox can pull something. The human being is not as strong as these animals. Why? They have caught from Olam HaTohu. And that's why we consider the person Ocher Lamasabrashis. He's Kedem and Ocher. It's not his Neshama, he's Kedem. Ocher Bekedem Tzartani. It's not his he is because they have a higher quality over him. This is why we have to eat, why we have to receive our highest. What do you live from? From eating or from drinking? How come it goes through that? This is because the Shurish comes from a higher root, from Olam HaTohu. Then on all of this divine spark that is put into the food, 
that is which actually gives the person his vivifying koyach. And since today is Rosh Chodesh, beginning of a new month, a Chodesh Nisan, a month of miracles, let's hope that it'll be Nisi Nisan for us, just like by Yom and Haim, which should also be Bizman Hazer. And let's welcome the month with joy. And you know what that means, Ali? Is that what you meant? Yeah, well, I meant that a ball will bounce higher than a piece of metal because potential energy in a ball, and then rubber, <coughs> rubber has a greater amount of potential energy. The rubber will enable that potential energy to express itself mm. more than a metal that is not movable and does not fly the snowflakes. So I mm. offer my humble apology <laughs> for destroying your approach. It was true, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends on the material. Right. Otherwise, if you have them, they're the same height. Now, here, here too, the neshama, as it is taken away from Hashem, as it is plucked away from this great or Ein Sof, so that very moment the neshama is heading backwards. And as it heads backwards, it enjoys the getting closer. And it, as it enjoys it, it awakens in itself a stronger yearning to get that much more closer. It's an endless journey into infinity. That's why if a person is fortunate here, you have 62. The person who is fortunate to have this spark of divinity in him, who has that, a Jewish person, born by Jewish parents, has a neshama. This will never get lost, but it will keep on pounding and pounding and pounding until it gets back, like a beeper. An airplane is downed in a forest. No one knows where to find it. All they can do is pick up that beeping signal. It's a terrific invention. And then there are, and they can tell where it is. Every neshama has a little beeper. And this is uncontrollable. It's subconscious. And sooner or later, the neshama returns back. It may go straight here, straight there. But inside, there's a magnet that's constantly pulling. And that's why the Rebbe says at the top of page 62 that that which is closer and closer, so it's not, it doesn't feel himself as a separation. And this is as a result, as the Rebbe explained, continuing on the middle of this page on 62, the concept of Shviras HaKelem de Tohu brought about that the creature should be a creature and feel himself an entity. God wants us to be to sense this distance, only to convert this distance into momentum, returning back to our Kaddish Baruch And that's why Tohu, since Tohu is Kodim Latikan, it is before Tikkun, it is higher than Tikkun, we need food, clothing, and shelter because the divine sparks that are in them give us this thrust. Like you use an automobile, the car has more power than you do. Has that much power, how much horsepower. So you need that power. So what do you do? You sit in the car, you harness it, and it takes you to places where you couldn't get yourself. Same with an airplane. And before the invention of car, the driving of a horse. The horse is more powerful than a person go much rapid and speed. So you need that energy, but you don't have it. So you go and sit on the horse, and the horse takes you there. God gave us a nefesh of Bahamas. You got your own fabric, your own horse in you. Why is it called a fel? Have you ever watched a fel? It's, 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 
sometimes. I mean, uh, uh, nice horses, uh, beautiful horses, uh, horses that are strong and healthy looking, but when it has to, it has to in front of anyone, in front of the queen. When the queen marches by on the horse, everything that they can control, everything they can master, every rule, every soldier. But that horse, they have to run along with a pail. Why? A pail is a pail. God has given us a pail too. There's a horse within ourselves, a behemoth, this, this animal instinct. This animal instinct has its deficiencies, but it has very good qualities. There are very major good qualities involved in this horse, this little behemoth that we have, that it has power. It has thrust. And if something has thrust, we could use it. But you gotta know how to channel it, you gotta harness it. How did they invent the jets? Some scientist figured out a way how to take a tube and fill it in with certain chemicals that propel it and bring it up into a very high explosive run. And that, that, that was the beginning. It started in rocketry <coughs> when they wanted to take bombs in destruction and to deliver a bomb at a very far distance. So they used this, these missiles. And then later, like the Rebbe says, at first science uses things for destruction and then they find out why can't we use it for construction. Like atomic energy was first used on Hiroshima and, and then later they said let's use it for something good. So once you get a power that has a thrust and has energy, the very first thing Torah says, Ozev Tazev Emo, take that behemoth, take that Nefesh Bahamas that gives you a drive to worldly things. Don't say get away, stay away from it. No, take that drive and use it in the mitzvah. Use that in making matzahs. Use that in cleaning up the house for Pesach. Use that in doing a mitzvah, getting sweat yourself in a mitzvah. We told you the story about a certain town that came to Lubavitch. The Lubavitch in the time of the Rashab. And the Rashab saw that this student needed a certain refinement and he didn't have it yet. And to learn Hasidus, there are certain qualifications. You can't be a grabian, you have to be a little idle. And he saw this gentleman, he was lacking that fiber of refinement. So he said, I know how to handle with this boy. He was a new student. So when it comes to baking matzahs, there are all kinds of jobs. There's the guy that does the easy job scraping. There's the guy that's shoveling the coal into the oven. And there are the guys that have to do the hard work, like chopping the tree and sawing the wood, and you've got to schwitz. A lot of work to it. In those days, they don't have automatic heaters. They, they have to go out into the forest, chop down every tall tree. And for a student who has not been out in the forest all year, he's like sitting and learning. For him, it's real hard labor task. And the rabbi said, Rashab, one in charge of the matzahs should see that the real hard work give over to this guy, Zola Schwitzen. It's not that he wanted to sort of uh, belittle him. On the contrary, the zeo shall mitzvah, the sweat that a person sweats while he's activated, he's engaged in doing a mitzvah, that purifies, that rectifies, that does a lot of things that normally in Avodos Hashem we would have to work so hard to get to those levels of refinement. A schwitz and a mitzvah does more than that. The doctor knows there's such a thing as a schwitz in Gashmiz. A guy normally does not get rid of these wastes in the body. So what does he do? He goes to a place where it's very hot. And in those few moments, he's able to take out that sweat, all of that excess in a rapid moment, rather normally during the day he would never get rid of it. Schwitz is very healthy. Uh, whip him and all that stuff. 
in Avodas Hashem too. There are certain things that we'd like to divest ourselves from certain alien uh, bodies that are within ourselves, the drives that are not nice, uh, things, passions that are not nice, things that are not theistic. How do we get rid of it? So there's an Avodas Hashem, there's a stage-by-stage gradual working and getting to it. And all of a sudden there's a, what they call the instant. There are certain things that are instant. You do things, uh, crash programs. Working in masses. You know, there are guys that beg, can I get into the place? I want to chop some wood. I want to, why? The sweat, the sweat, the zayar shal mitzvah. That is the crash program where you can take giant leaps in Avodah Hashem. You come to a pavreng and you schmitz and it's hot and it's not comfortable and they're squeezing you and they're pushing you. Enjoy it. You have no idea, Rab Shmuel Levitin, all of our shalom. You remember Rab Shmuel Levitin? He was a, a great chassid years ago. I mean, uh, he was my teacher in Chabad when I came in 1940. When the Rebbe came to New York, uh, Rab Shmuel Levitin was, you know, Binyamin Levitin? Well, Levitin was a famous, and he was a great chassid. So he said, it's hard to estimate the great refinement the chassidim get from the Fabrengans, besides the learning, besides being near the Rebbe, the actual engagement, because it's, it's, it is a body tiring experience at times. I don't know, unless you get there early enough to get a good seat, or else you get good bopped around, but this is a refinement that comes to Ruchnis, what comes Simchas Torah. Simchas Torah, you want to come to the highest levels in Avodos Hashem, it's after Yom Kippur, and we keep going up. What do we find? All of a sudden we're all dancing. What is this? Let's sit down and learn. What is this dancing and, and stamping the floor? The Rebbe said that it's known, and he says it in the Sikha, that there are certain values that we don't really understand their true value, and we just consider it passive. Like if you would walk in the street after some Torah, you would find torn-off heels sold from shoes laying in the street. I've seen it. You can make a collection of all them. Yeah, from the shoes, heels, and soles, from the shoes. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> These are from the result of someone who was stamping away on the feet on the floor all night since they saw Sheva, till actually the sole of the foot came peeling off, the heels peeled off. So the Rebbe said, you have no idea how Malachim collect these heels and bring it to and Bezden Shalomayla, and there it's like gems, they say. This is a heel upon which a Jew dances in Chastorah. Because through the dancing, a person can come to higher levels even than what he was able to accomplish Yom Kippur. That's a high level in Avoda. Nila, Yechida. So the Rebbe says, this is Avoda Azos, which is Lochem, which is in your own control with your body. You have to get your body involved. You take the Torah, you hold it, and you dance with it. The Torah itself wants to dance. The Torah has no feet has no hands. So the Torah says, listen, I'll make a deal with you. I'll borrow your hands and feet for Simchas Torah, and in return, all year long, you'll have the hands and the feet. And it works. You hold the Sefer Torah and dance with it. The Torah is dancing with you. He's using your feet. He borrows it. He doesn't remain in debt. He pays you back with, with everything that's good. So now we return back to this theme, what the Rebbe is saying now, that this power of rust comes from Olam HaTohu, we have to convert it and use it, harness it. You know, a motor could be a very dangerous thing. I wouldn't let a kid play with a motor. <laughs> it could destroy things. It could blast right through the wall. 
I remember the day when I first learned to drive, and I backed up. I didn't realize that if you don't put the brake on in time, you can go through a brick wall. Believe it or not, I did. It was in the alley. There was a nice brick house there, and I backed up, and I did not stop in time because I didn't have the sense of stopping in space and distance, and I felt it was safe. I wasn't going to go out into the street yet before I got my learning rest. I backed up, and I zetzed that wall. I remember today, the contractor came out, and he fixed well, four or five bricks, and he charged me $15 for that job. Just imagine what you'd have to pay for today. <laughs> in those days, in the 1940s, $15 was a big chunk. But what, what does this mean? It's thrust. If you don't know how to control it, it, it can destroy. The Yetzirah is a power. It's a thrust. Use it in Avodah Hashem. Use it in davening. When you daven, get your body involved. Get every bone. <coughs> then you know you have it. And that's Olam HaTohu, the great powers that Olam HaTohu represents. Because Tohu could be dangerous. Tohu is extreme. Tohu is just chesed without Gevura. Gevura without the Ferris. The Ferris without Netzach. So it's a very powerful light, and it's Woshmirah. But we can take that Tohu and form it into Tikkun. And that is why we eat and we drink. We take the Nitzelsus from Tohu and use that thrust in Avodah Hashem. And this is the middle of the page and the wind-up of the Maima. They fell down. They hold them lower than the person. Behind all the Pishoshin, because their Sherish is so high, Alkane, because they came from such a high level, the Philosom, Yosalamato. As we gave the example, commercial Evan on Ephemi Alachoma, the stone that fell from the top of a wall. Shoevan Shabarosh Achoma, the stone that is at the very top of the wall, when this wall topples, that uppermost stone is going to fall very far. And the same is with people. If people go astray, if people wander off, and there are circumstances, and the person is not to blame. Certain conditions, certain environments, lack of knowledge, no yeshiva background, and people can go astray. The fact that a person has reached sometimes the very furthest distance of Yiddishkeit can only tell us, hey, you fell so far, you must have come from way up there. So that itself should give that person a lift. Hey, so when I return, I'm not coming back to the bottom stone, I'm not coming back to the middle stone, I'm coming back to the top stone. And that, that's, a, that's a good lift for a person who is on the way back, on the return. That stone that has gone very far is returning, to return to the uppermost level, because there's a lot of potentials and good in it. The Alkane and the Rebbe says, and this is the reason, the animal, physically speaking, has more strength and more power than the human being. Why? Because his shosh was from Olam Hatohu, which is higher. That's how the person in comparison to the power that an animal has. The person is secondary, the animal is primary. That's why you use the horse for traveling. He can pull the wagon, you couldn't. So who Achel Person's Kedem, and he's also Ocher. Ocher Kedem This is the reason why the person receives his nurture, his life, from the Tzomeach and the Chai. Because the Shorosh of the Tzomeach and the Chai is that much more higher. Now the Rebbe concludes the Maimer in telling us, 
there is the bread and there is the spark of God that's in the bread. It's not the bread alone that keeps man alive. The Torah says, Kilo al halechem levado yichyahodam. It's not the bread itself. The bread is only a vehicle in which Hashem's divine spark reaches you. Like a doctor gives you a medicine. So that capsule, it's not the whole capsule. There's a very small millimilligram that's in there that needs to give you the refuah. But we have the doctor can't say, well, take out a little millimilligram. You can't measure it. So he puts it into a starch, into a, there are those, those presses that make it into a pill. And then, and then you eat the, the pill. And you say, ha, I had a pill. It's not the pill, it's that little speck. It's microscopic. And that brings the refuah. The same thing is in bread. Bread is only the carrier. It's only the carrier, the capsule in which you're taking motzei pi havaya. What is your question? You are asking the question, what is the difference of a Jewish person eating bread and a non-Jew? And what is the... And then, then you are indirectly asking, is a guy involved in bringing Tohu back to Tikkun? Indirectly you are asking, you're, it's like you took a big bag jug of gasoline and you just threw a little match <laughs> no your question is valid they have their mission in life a guy being that he has not accepted the torah which is still available a guy a gay a guy could do it today since he has not accepted the torah his channel of life and his source as the rebbe says in chapter six is coming from an entirely different source because this was his own choice. It's like a person who could live this sort of life, he has all the money in the world and is fortunate and very prosperous and can build himself a mansion and he decides to live in a cave. He decided to live in a cave. What are you going to do about it? We, the B'nai Yisrael, are fortunate. We have accepted the Torah. We say it every morning in Davin Baruch HaToshem, no Saint HaTorah. So, therefore, when we eat God says, I'm going to let you take part in Tikkun and Tohu business because that's my line. This is how the world was created. And this was given There is a line drawn. Who drew that line? They. They did not want to accept the Torah because we selected Hashem. And because we selected Hashem, retroactive Hashem selected us. So we remain the selected. Now, when they eat, they have their own purpose and goal in life known to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for each individual why this type of a creature was put on this world and why this type. To say that they're going to carry out Avodah Hashem, it's impossible. If a God puts on Tzvillin, it's absolutely no value. On the contrary, Hakam Sheshovas, I of Misa, did you hear that? A guy who observes the Jewish Shabbos, to him, it'll work in the opposite direction. It'll bring them the opposite of life. There was an interesting case of a gear that came to Lubavitch. I was in the yeshiva then. This young gentleman, very sincere, very dedicated, and he was born in the olive days. He's starting from scratch. He wants to become a Jew. We're very careful, you know, you don't play around with such things. And it was brought to the attention that this kid used to come to the Fabregs. He used to stand and say, L'chaim. And the guy, the guy is, he was a real gear later, but until he became a gear, so there were instructions that every Shabbos he should either light a match, put on a light, or do something. To be, he shouldn't be a Shomer Shabbos because 
to the umas and the fact that they don't have the kabbalah soul, that they have not accepted the all, then it works in the opposite. Like certain medicines are good for one person, and the other person takes that medicine and it works just the opposite. After the gerus is complete and total, they're not allowed to. They're not allowed to observe the Shabbos. We cannot go into detail into this because there's a long, elaborate explanation on this. Now, uh, with all apology to that question of yours, which really calls for an elaboration, what's the role of a goy as he not only eats, as he's wearing clothing and as he, as he does anything in the world? That, that has to be uh, attended to in a particular discussion, what is Hamadul ben Yisrael Amim? And as we clarify that situation, everything and all these pieces are going to fall into place. And now the Rebbe continues with this point. We have to take into consideration the Goyim have the Zion Mitzvah B'nai Noah. And in that area, they are superior. In other words, if they carry out the Zion Mitzvah B'nai Noah, they're entitled to the world to come. So there is a certain amount of elevation and refinement and uh, mission in life that the Goyim have in these seven mitzvahs b'nei Noah. But still at a different level, once Matan Torah came along, it, 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 it was expressed in different areas. And, and this has to be dealt with uh, seriously and very meticulously to define the line what is me Yehudi? The whole concept of me Yehudi. Now the Rebbe continues and says, <coughs> we are back here, because this is higher and therefore it gives him the Koach. That is what the person is able to live from. It gives him Chayas. The Alkana, therefore the Rebbe says, there's no room to ask, how come we were created through one of the Asura Mamoras and the piece of bread was created by the Asura Mamoras? So why did you tell me? The reason why I'm eating the bread is because it has the Asura Mamoras, the Motsipi Avaya. I was created by Naser Adam. The Rebbe says that question is not valid. The Alkane, ain't all a shayach. It's not proper, it's not fitting. It is not correct, Lahak shows, to ask the question, Lamar. Person also has this quality. He also has Motsipiavaya. Where do you have it? The Fisha Motsipiavaya Shabbat Sameach, the Chai Gavaya Beyosef. The Tameach and Chai have a Devar Havaya, but it is of a much higher level. We both, the bread and the person, were both created through the words of God. God said, Tachi Horus Desha, the earth should sprout forth plants. That gave the power of the bread. God also said, Nasa Odin Bitzalmeno. Strangely enough, the Tabshe Haaretz Desha is of a higher source than the, the Nasa Odin. Odin is the Neshama going into the goof. And the Neshama, at the very start, as we said many times, truly is uppermost and the highest. But as it comes into Hishtalchulus, the Domim Tomech is higher. I'll give you an example of a ruler. And you hold the ruler straight. You have one, two, three, all the way down to twelve. Now take this ruler and turn it circular-wise upwards. 
The one is at the bottom and the twelve is at the top. Inside the Hishtalshwas, it goes in reverse. Like when you look at an image, actually in your mind you see it upside down, but it's converted. The same is what you see down here, what you think is Tachtonim is Elyonim, what you see Elyonim is Tachtonim. The same, the same concept is in the Domim Tzmei They are originally from the top, but that's only after we've made that turn. But in Seder Hishtalshlos, as you're asking, the Neshama comes from Pnimius Vyatsmus that's a Chela Gilekat Miyamah Mamish. It loses that quality. No, 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 no. Now then it begins to be macabre from the Esospheres to Tikkun. That's what he said right over here in the Mimer, that his lifeline now is through the Esospheres to Tikkun. And the Behemoth gets from the Esospheres to Tohu. If you look into the Mimer and just carefully look at these selected words, you'll see how the Rebbe says it. Watch closely. Because they are Gavorvias, this food, the highest that's in the food, Machayas Adam gives the person life and vitality. How? Because it comes from Tohu. And what does food do? It does something that's truly, truly astronomical. Very hard to understand. The Nishama is the highest of the high. The body is the lowest of the low. Heading in opposite directions. You need something very powerful to keep them together. Who does that? Food. So if you think of two dots, and you want to bring these two dots together, there's the law in physics, you have to have a third dot that is more powerful than both dots, or else if he's just as strong as these two dots, he cannot pull them together. So if you have two dots, you want to pull them together, you can't get a third dot at their same level. You get a third, like two boys are fighting in the class. You can't, one other kid in the class is not going to settle a fight. If the teacher comes in, who is higher than both of them, he can find a common denominator and settle the, the battle. The same as Ose Sholom Bim Romov. The Sal Shal Eish, the Sal Shal Mayim, Michael and Gavriel, they're two opposites. But Abishta, since he is higher than both of them, is Ose Shalom Bim Ramav. A person who knows how to make peace can do anything. We say it in Davening. Ose Shalom, Uvoreyas Hakol. Once you know the secret of Shalom, that's Tikkun, the blend. Shalom means peace, harmony, blend, then Uvoreyas Hakol. Then you can create anything, you can do anything. Sir? I don't know what you mean. There is a minimum amount. There is gluttony. There's a person who uh, goes into overeating, and then that's dangerous, of course. To tell a person this is the amount to eat is not right, because there's no two people that are alike. But a good dietitian, after analyzing and studying a person, his heartbeat, everything, how everything is functioning, can give a person a diet which will be this is all you need. If you eat that extra bagel and cheese, you're going to just get fatter and more calcium or more calories, and it's not even necessary. You're, you're an extra burden on your heart. So the amount of food can be determined by the one who studies and knows your body and has given you a fair test, blood test, everything that you need. And he can tell you exactly or close to the amount of food that you need. And many people don't realize that they overeat and, and they use their hunger pangs as a guide which is so wrong an animal is guided by nature so he doesn't have those extra hunger pangs and he knows what to eat I've been in the zoo and I've been baffled to watch a lion tear apart a piece of meat and eat it he was hungry and he, then he leaves over a piece I asked the guy hey why do you leave over says, uh-uh. this lion will eat under the guidance of nature and then there's a click 
He's not going to eat anymore. He put down the best food. He's not. The birds eat a certain amount of seeds and leave over the rest. What is that? Nature guides them. We, because we have seichel, nature steps back. So we can step over that dangerous area of overeating. But we're, blend, we're, we're branching off into diets rather from what we want from diet to diet. Yeah, the link of the neshama and the guf definitely needs food, needs water, needs fiber, needs all of this material. Why is food able to bring this link together? Because food comes from tohu, which is higher than tikkun. To determine the amount depends on each individual. There's no where it's going to say, barrel you eat this much, get till you eat this much. No. I'm not aware, as you mentioned this, I'm not aware of any animal, any species that overeats itself to death. But, but humans do it all the time. Absolutely. That's where Torah comes in. Torah is the guidelines. Torah tells you what to eat, not only how much to eat. There is one animal that goldfish. Well, there is a certain fish that keeps bluffing and until it pops. Well, goldfish will keep eating until they die. If you give them too much food, they'll eat all of that. That's right. You've got to be careful about feeding goldfish. In a fishbowl. Yeah. But I think while they're out on the pond, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, right. They're in there. But you're not feeding it actually what it really is. I don't know if they're eating. The water just filters through there and kills. As they take the water in naturally to breathe, they get the food. They are put on a different gauge. A guy could eat chazer and will not harm him. A guy could eat pork and ha- bacon and lard and ham and all that stuff and it will not harm him. A Yiddish Shekin goes and eats chasrushalom, pray for food. He's defiled. And physically, chasrushalom could bring about all types of maladies. How come? Because Hashem, we are different. We have to face it. Without that, we are different. There's no reason to put on to and There's no reason to do, to do anything. The reason, the reason is we are different because we chose Hashem and Hashem chose us. And we need guidelines, and that's where Torah, which is written by God, man could have not written Torah. Torah is heavenly. They found it out today because of the jingle of the words. I mean, that is not the real proof. We don't need proof. But scientists are baffled in Israel when this guy with the computer came and found all kinds of new sentences that come to the surface. If you take the 50th, every 50th word, and a new sentence comes out with messages, with, with things of Galah. The fellow visited the Rebbe too. He brought it in. The, uh, there are things. We don't need that. The Torah itself, the, our belief in Torah is an emuna. Emuna does not need proof. It's a trust. It's a belief. So here, too, the Rebbe says that what is the power that brings the body and the neshama together, as we're going to finish the Maimim Yosashem today, is food, because it's Gavayi B'Yosef. And that's Mechaber Vahainu. Shemechaber HaNefesh Em HaGuf. HaNefesh Mechayis HaGuf. Guf HaNefesh Em Rechotim Zeb Mizeh. Guf and nefesh, you cannot find two things that are so far one from another than guf and nefesh. And yet, they are joined so close that you cannot find anything merging so closely as the body and the soul. They're inseparable. How does this come about? In order that this nefesh, not only it should dress itself and find itself in the guf, but it should be the neshama is giving life to the body. So they have to be, there has to be a parallel. Who brings this gap together? Through food, This food has that divine power to do it. Not only it keeps the body and soul together, 
וגם ממשיך תוספוס חייס מי הנפש. The food has a power to draw the koach of the nefesh. You have the koach to understand. If you don't eat, you're, it's limited. Once you eat, your mind will function better, you will understand better. So then food not only brings about the link of the body and the soul, but it reveals the koiches hanefesh. You can understand better, you can do many things better. Kamaima, chamra, food does that. Chamra v'reicha pikhin. If you have wine and spice, fragrance, pikhin, it has an effect on your mind. You can understand better. A good chamra, chamra v'reicha, it says here, it's a gemara solution. Pikhin, it brings about, it makes the ability to understand something that much deeper and better. What's so great in that wine? What's the tzomeach and the chai so important? Because the shirish of this food or this drink or this beverage is higher than the shirish of the Adam. Therefore, it's able to nurture the man. Person comes from tikkun. Now we see the prominent role a person plays in this world. God created us and put us on this world and says to us, I'm giving you a mission in life. Here is the area that's called tohu. You are to convert that into tikkun. How? Everything you do in your daily activity has to do with bringing tohu to tikkun. As a person gathers together these sparks of tohu, he has to do with a gashmistic thing. You are now sitting at a table, there's a plastic tablecloth. There's a paper plate. There's a cup. These are only totals of tohu that are being this bar now because we're using it for Kedusha. It has a shaykhus to Kedusha. And we are elevating them to its shayrish. And this, I want you to know, if you realize it or not, brings about a delight to Hashem. You know, it's very hard sometimes for children to know what is nachas ruach by tati, amani. What do they really like? Some children can come home with bracelets and diamonds and gold and jewels. So it doesn't ring a bell. And some kid comes home with a good report card. And with a mida tova, or he's a man, she dresses night. That rings a bell. We have to know what rings a bell, Amayla. What makes a nachas ruach by HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So Chasidus, Nimi Satera, Kabbalah tells us, I will let you in on an inner secret. There is something that brings a delight to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A very great delight. Nachas ruach lefanai. What's the nachas ruach? When you take sparks of tohu and elevate them to tikkun, that is a pleasant, that's a nachasruach to HaKadosh Baruch Now, don't sit back and say, well, I don't understand. Why should that make Hashem happy? That's not a valid question. We don't know what is Hashem. We don't know his structure. We don't know what makes him happy, what it means to Hashem to be happy. We have no idea. These are esoterics. These are the we're fortunate to know the secret that when you take a piece of bread and eat it l'shem shomayim and your mile that needs it from tohu to tikkun nachas ruach lofanai that makes Hashem happy and when Hashem is happy He does something for it He makes you happy makes you healthy He gives you everything you want just do what, what you're supposed to do that brings about the heavenly answer that's why fat people are happy people. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good, Doc. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Gaim Simcha Gedayla. It brings a big Simcha belt to the Nitzah. It says, you know, these sparks are happy. Look what he says. These sparks are divine sparks that are in Golos, and they're waiting for you to elevate them. You remember that story with the guy who wanted to drink the cup of Mamashka without making a bracha? There was an Ashama there and was waiting to be in the Salah. So he says a double thing. It makes a Simcha Gedayla in the Nitzah. These sparks become advocates and help you later because you did them a favor. You freed them from jail. They were hostages and you freed them. You're making a bracha before and after and had a good kavana during. These are the Nitzah's the Torah. Shebed And it also makes v'goyim nachas ruach l'mayla. And it brings about a heavenly delight by HaKadosh Baruch So you're doing a double simcha, bay simcha, seitzayil. In order to seitzayil, to take out these Nitzah's, we need bay simcha, two simchas. The simcha of the Nitzah's, and the simcha of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. and this is the Pasuk which he began the Mimer with. V'shibach t'yaniyaz ha-simcha, Shlomo Melech says, I praise and I give a lot of praise to simcha. Shalomayla, the simcha that comes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's talking about Hashem simcha. V'shibach t'yaniyaz ha-simcha, Shalomayla. This great simcha that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, HaBa'al Yedei Chila Shistiyah. Through when a person eats and drinks something lamato, he brings about delight lamaila. And because of that, a person has a good taste in food too, because he's getting some residue of that big tiny lamaila. If he's to that haba. So Shlomo Amalek is talking about a great simcha. At first, we didn't understand what kind of big joy he's talking about. Shlomo Amalek says it's very good to be happy. He says it's very good to bring about that happiness of Hashem which is a result of you eating and drinking the way you should. And what is eating and drinking? That's Pashat and Gashmis. Also, eating and drinking is Limadat Torah and Kimah Mitzvahs. Learning Torah and doing mitzvahs have a parallel with the concept of eating and drinking. And as we've said before, that the Limadat Torah is the concept of the Indian of Achila and Shesia Baruchnius, and the same is with Kim Hamitzvus. In Yorav Avoda, who the Simcha Koya Avoda the Tvila, Simcha comes through Avoda's Hat Tvila, Ba'arichus to Davin Ba'arichus doesn't mean you Davin more, but the word that you say, you say Ba'arichus, you say it with such a way, which you are misbonen in order to bring out your Ava to Hashem. His bonen is Ba'sogalukis, Shanosin Koyach Ba'ayz, because this. Davening the way it should be gives us a koyach and an oiz ba'achilo shesiyah in achilo shesiyah which is the avayda from Torah or mitzvahs v'tachlus hashlemus in order we should reach the desired goal we have finished Baruch Hashem the Mimer and the doctor I see is preparing a formula <laughs> a <laughs> prescription this is special uh, this is special given the Rebbe gave me especially to be besimcha with and since this we're finishing a a minor, and we have about simcha, and we um, does the food and so forth. We can, you know, there's, there's a friend of mine always uh, said if um, he wanted to invite uh, somebody else, invite, he wanted to invite someone into his house for Shabbos, and this person couldn't um, couldn't read, couldn't uh, didn't know Allah face. He was he wasn't even a he didn't even uh, he wasn't even Shabbos Shabbos. So somebody else asked him, how can you invite him in? W- w- where's the simple, the Shabbos and stuff? And he said, this person, the mitzvah he can do is he can eat. Mm-hmm. And, and by eating, <laughs> that's, he's, he's being a Jew. And by eating, he's, uh, he's doing all the things that Rabbi Goldstein already 
voting. Well, where's your cup? This one's dirty. I'm going to get another. Uh -huh. So this is special uh, machine that the rep gave me, especially to start coffee after you use it up before Pesach. Very good. But I brought it also because this is the CM of the finishing a minor about Simcha and Excellent. Some, some, some food. So We're going to make a bracha. We'll say lachaim on this. L'chaim, l'chaim. It is the day after Rosh Chodesh. It's Beis Nisan. That's the Hashab's Yerzeit. We're saying l'chaim. Thank you, doctor, for this gesture. And the bracha that the Rebbe gave you should reach us in full measure. Amen. And the l'chaim should reach us in Midos Tovos, understanding Hashem better and davening better and doing more mitzvahs, more than ever before. Amen. Amen. L'chaim, l'chaim. The Rebbe Shlita should be gesund. He should have nachas ruach from all chassidim, and he should have a netzachin in his battle, or against Koshech, and we should go or godol. The Rebbe should announce zidan nasach. And Eli, you know that song that makes us all happy.